0: Welcome back to Strong Songs, a podcast about music. I am your host, Kirk Hamilton, and as always, I'm so glad that you've joined me to light up the parts of our brains that light up when we hear a beautiful melody or a driving rhythm. We've got some really driving rhythms and some beautiful melodies to get to today, so I'm really excited. Before we get started, I just wanted to say that uh, it was nice to hear from everybody who liked last episode, which focused on a jazz tune, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers' "Is Monin." Um, I got some really positive feedback for that, and it seemed like a lot of people were into it. So do Do not fret, we will do another jazz tune at some point here soon, and we'll do uh, lots of other kinds of music too. I think it would be fun to talk a little bit more about instrumental music in addition to songs that people sing. As always, if you'd like to send me more feedback, you can email me at strongsongspodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at me at Kirk Hamilton, that's K-I-R-K Hamilton. An additional thank you to everyone who has written a review for this show on the Apple Podcast app. Um, I know I always ask people to do that at the ends of episodes, those, sometimes at the beginnings, um, it is a really cool thing. It helps people find the show. But I hadn't really internalized how many people had reviewed it. Uh, I recently clicked just to check how it was doing on the on the Apple Podcast app, and it showed me a sort of a different display for some reason. And I could just click a button and see all of the reviews. And I saw all the reviews that people had left, and it was really kind of overwhelming. I'd never really looked at that before. Um, I sort of, you know, I, it's it's fun to read reviews of my own show, but I also sort of avoid it sometimes, just because that can that can feel kind of intense are weird but um my goodness. Uh, the reviews were very positive and there were just a whole lot of them and it was it was really cool. It made me feel really good. So thank you so much to everybody who's reviewed the show. And if you haven't, you know, go ahead. Heck. Uh, so yeah, uh, that, that really meant a lot and was nice to see. So it is spring right now. It's spring in Portland, Oregon, where I live. And that means that it's been raining. It's been a particularly rainy spring. Uh, we've had a lot of gray days and I've been sort of, you know, feeling that way you feel when it's a gray day and it kind of feels like it's been a gray day after a gray gray day and every day is just kind of raining and a little bit colder than you want it to be and then suddenly on a special day the sun comes out and you go outside and you look you look up at the sky and really there is only one song that fully articulates what you would like to say to the universe the
1: blue sky please tell us why
2: you had to away for so
1: long, so long. Why did we go wrong?
2: Blue Sky, please tell us why you had to paddle it for so
1: long. And It's a
0: beautiful day outside, sunny at 73 degrees, with a high chance of chill tunes and a distinct possibility of electric light orchestra. Because on this episode, we're going to be talking about ELO's Mr. Blue Sky.
2: I don't
0: know about you, but this is the day that I've waited for for quite some time. I have wanted to talk about this song since before this show existed. Um, It is one of the songs that really just always puts a smile on my face and seems perfectly appropriate for this time of year because the blue sky is really starting to make itself known, at least in the Northern Hemisphere where I live. This is also one of those songs that I knew before I knew it, if that makes sense. Um, I think I've just heard it everywhere, even when I was growing up, before I really sat down and listened to it or even was aware of who was singing it. It's just one of those songs that's in a bunch of commercials, it's in a bunch of movies. It sort of is a go-to for a lot of people because it so perfectly encapsulates this sort of boundless optimism and happiness and the joy of a blue sky and a beautiful day after a lot of rain. I think it's something that ELO and Jeff Lynn in particular just really captured beautifully with this recording, and I'm excited to talk about it on this show. Before we dive in, some vital stats. Mr. Blue Sky was written and produced by Jeff Lynn, who is the guitarist and lead singer of ELO, the Electric Light Orchestra. It also featured Bev Bevan on drums, Richard Tandy on keys, Kelly Grucut on bass, and Mick Kaminsky, Hugh McDowell, and Melvin Gale on strings. It was Recorded at Musicland Studios in Munich, Germany, and featured on the band's seventh studio album, which is titled "Out of the Blue" and came out in 1977. As a side note, "Out of the Blue" is a really great album. I uh, a couple of friends out here in Portland actually really introduced it to me as an album. I knew some of the songs on it, sort of as singles. I certainly knew "Mystery Blue Sky," but I'd never listened to it as an album. And I went and bought the vinyl. I have it now. I listen to it um, on vinyl and just love it to death. It's such a fun record to listen to, so I highly recommend sitting down and listening to. The entire album all the way through. It's a real journey. It has a ton of cool musical ideas going on, a lot of great kitsch, a lot of cool arrangements and fun ideas. It's just it's a real treat to listen to. As a sort of interesting note in terms of the album, Mr. Blue Sky actually comes at the end of the third side. So it's a double LP. So it kind of comes, you know, two-thirds of the way through the album, which I wouldn't have expected for the song that has kind of been the most enduring single from that album, and stands out even when you're just listening to it, that it comes actually pretty late in the album, usually albums send a front load that kind of thing i guess that's partly a testament to how many good songs are on out of the blue but also just an interesting way that they arranged this album um, it's also fun to know that mr blue sky comes at the end of a side of the record for a little trivia reason that we will get into at the end of this episode so let's start where we usually start at the very beginning which this song actually begins with a little radio broadcast that i took inspiration from for the start of this episode and then that driving beat kicks in check it out Oh man, how can you not love that groove? What a great intro. So they're doing something that I've talked about in a past Q&A episode where they take something really, really small sounding, in this case, really small sounding, which is that tinny little radio uh, sound, which the way you do that, by the way, is you just kind of adjust the EQ and you trim off a whole lot of the top and a whole lot of the bottom.
1: And you get a sound that sounds like a radio.
0: So that's a kind of a trick that a whole lot of people use. And in this case, you can also hear that little piano is kind of clanging back there, which establishes the beat, but it's really, really quiet. So then when the full recording comes in, it sounds much bigger, which is a great trick that I always really like. It's basically making things sound small so that when the full sound comes in, it's just a normal volume, but it sounds really big and and loud. Listen to that one more time. Now I love this beat, just the way that this song introduces itself. It's just it's just everybody pounding on an F major chord. It's just major, 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 major. The bass is playing quarter notes, the piano is playing quarter notes on an F major, the guitar is playing quarter notes on an F major, the drums are just playing this really steady backbeat, and the whole thing is just this bum 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 bum. And that's not always, you know, a recipe for a, a solid groove necessarily. You know, a lot of grooves have more syncopation and more variance in the different parts. This is just everybody landing on quarter notes. It's almost March-like, but the way that they play it, just, I love it. I love that groove. It almost, like, it makes me want to just loop it over and over and over again, you know? Yeah, man. I could just listen to this groove forever. You know, you know what it needs? You could use a little bit of saxophone. That's what it needs. Maybe some harmonies? (laughs) All right, all right, I'm getting distracted. The groove is in, let's move on. Time for the verse. sun is shining in the sky. They're in a cloud in sight. Is there a groove that conveys that feeling more than the opening groove to Mr. Blue Sky? I submit that perhaps there is not. So let's talk about the chords to the verse because I really like the verse chord progression. And it's sort of a storied chord progression, actually, um, that, that turns up in a couple of other songs or turned up in a couple of other songs that came before Mr. Blue Sky that I think are kind of interesting. So this song is in the key of F major, that's the one. And it mainly revolves around either F major in the verse or D minor in the chorus. D minor in this case is called the relative minor to F major. So they're kind of, you know, relatives of one another, relative major, relative minor. So when you're playing an F major, if you want to play minor, a lot of times you'll play D minor. So the way that this starts out is it starts on F major and then it kind of walks down to D minor, but it does that in a clever way. It goes F major, then E minor 7, A7, seven, D minor. That's a kind of a chord progression that'll commonly lead to, to D minor. It's called a 2-5-1. Don't need to get too into it. But basically it goes F, then E, A. D, like that And then it ends up on D minor So listen to just those first chords one more time
2: Sun is in the sky. There ain't a cloud I
0: really like that chord progression a lot I think it's a cool way to begin a song And it may sound familiar to you And that might be because it is the first chords To another song that you may have heard
2: Yesterday all my troubles seem so far away,
0: That's right, the first words of Paul McCartney's Yesterday go from the major to the relative minor in the same way, and in fact, Yesterday is also in the key of F, so it's the same chords, F major to E minor to A7 to D minor. Now, Paul McCartney did not invent that chord progression, and in fact, that was not the first time that I heard that chord progression. If you go back another couple of decades to 1946, you will find a jazz composition by Charlie Parker called Confirmation that does something very similar. Listen to this. I bet you thought we were done talking about jazz. We are never truly done talking about jazz on Strong Songs. That's right. Charlie Parker's 1946 composition, Confirmation, begins with the same chords and, in fact, is also in the key of F. It is a little bit different. It does not E half-diminished to an A altered. It's a jazz tune, so it's a little more complicated, but it goes F-E-A-D. Just like the other songs, go ahead and just listen to those chords and see if you can hear that. F-E-A-D. Here it is. Now let's listen to how that chord progression manifested another 20 years later in Paul McCartney's song.
1: Yesterday,
2: all my troubles seem so far away. And now
0: let's fast forward to a little over a decade later and hear how the same chord progression in the same key turns up in ELO's Mr. Blue Sky. <laughs> So I really like that. I like discovering musical building blocks like that and, finding other places that they've been used and the more songs that you learn the more you start to see those little blocks and notice the ways that they repeat and get used again and again because there are only so many ways to get from one chord to another one and that one you know going from the one down to the relative minor using that 251 to get to the relative minor is a really lovely chord progression so I'm not suggesting that Paul McCartney was a big Charlie Parker fan and based that yesterday chord progression on confirmation in fact I know that that wasn't the first time that it turned up it's a it's a pretty common way to get around And I'm also not suggesting that Jeff Lynn directly took that from yesterday, though the Beatles' influence on ELO is kind of a lot more clear than the bebop influence on the Beatles was. So just a little digression to pick up a musical building block, pick out a few other places that I've heard it and kind of talk about that because I think that that's cool. Let's get back to Mr. Blue Sky. So I don't want to spend too much more time on those verse chords, but I do really like them because it goes from that F major down to the D minor and then it kind of walks its way back up and it goes from a D minor to a G, then back to an E minor, to an A, and then instead of resolving to F, it goes to B-flat, which is the 4, and then C, which is the 5, and then 1. So it's a really tidy little chord progression if you listen to the whole thing together. It goes F major, E minor 7, A7, D minor, G, then E, then A, then B-flat, then C, than F. So tracing through that chord progression, is just like a neat little twisty uh, a way of moving. And while they're doing that, the melody actually stays put. So it's a kind of a pretty mo- mobile chord progression, but the melody is is not really doing a whole lot, at least on that first verse. So let's listen to that verse again, and just listen for those chords and pay attention to what the melody is doing. But really, just listen to the way that the chords move down and then back up, and they kind of extend the resolution in a really cool way. And then listen for something cool that happens at the very end of.
2: Of the
1: first verse.
0: So that clang, 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 clang. If there is one iconic sound that defines this tune, I would say that it is that sound. And as it turns out, that is Bev Bevan playing on a fire extinguisher, apparently, according to the lore. Um, We own a fire extinguisher in our home. I went and dug it up, and I tried hitting it with a drumstick, and it did not quite sound like that. It sounded more like this. So, you know... Fairly disappointing, but uh, I guess that maybe they were using some big 1970s fire extinguisher or an industrial fire extinguisher at a studio, or maybe it's just some kind of a symbol, and they just said that it was a fire extinguisher. Though I will say that in the credits um, on this on the record that I own, they do say that one of the sound effects that they used was a fire extinguisher. So let's just say it's a pretty cool fire extinguisher that sounds great, and it adds this really almost frantic kind of manic energy to the song. That's just this clang 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 clang, you know, like a bell or a train is coming and it just is a very sort of get out of the way the party train is here sort of a sound and i love it a whole lot so the second verse introduces a couple of things first they do this funny thing when he says running down the avenue there's this sort of panting that comes in uh in the left and right channels that i think is pretty funny It's almost like a panting dog thing, which along with that, you know, frantic party bell, it sort of just gets this whole excited panting dog, very happy uh, vibe that the song has going I-I-G. that I dig. And you also may have heard at the very end there, the strings were sort of sneaking in. And that's because the strings enter um, on the second verse. And it, they really just sort of are playing these little little notes behind, uh, behind the vocal melody. But then at the very end of the phrase, they really enter in a, in a really nice way. It sounds like this. One more clang of the fire extinguisher. It's time to get into the chorus. Uh, This chorus is really cool, in particular for just the way that everything's been arranged and the the way that the vocal parts have been arranged. So give it a listen and pay attention to all the different uh, vocal tracks and see if you can
1: pick them all out.
0: So if you actually break down the main component of that melody, it's just this little four-note phrase that repeats a few times. It just repeats up the octave each time. So the four notes are these four notes. But if you arrange them the way that they do them in the uh, in the chorus, it actually starts lower and ends higher. It happens three times, and it sounds like this.
1: That's why you
2: had to pass
0: So I really, really like that chorus. Obviously, it's a great chorus. Um, There are two specific things that I like about it. The first is how it's arranged musically, and the second is how it's arranged uh, vocally. So in terms of the musical arrangement, what's neat about it is, like I just pointed out, it's sort of those repeating four notes, but it is moving upward, right? It starts really low, then it goes higher, then it goes really, really high. And um, while that's happening, the bass and the chords are actually moving downward. So it starts on a D minor, and then it climbs down. We've talked a lot about contrary motion. This is a particularly cool example Example of it because the melody is staying kind of static in a certain way because it's just repeating the same motif over and over again, but it's moving up because each time they do it a higher octave. So listen to it again and listen for that how the vocal melody is climbing while the bass, you can really focus on the bass, but the bass and the chords are moving downwards. So they're moving in opposition to one another. So the other specific thing that I like about this chorus is the vocal arrangement and the vocal performance. Now, I'm pretty sure this is mostly Jeff Lynn singing. I'm not sure who sings that really low note, that low D, which is very, very low. Um, that might not be him, but I think everybody else is him, and it's just overdubbed. Uh, in a way, it's sort of doubled and chorusized in a way that we talked about um, Freddie Mercury's voice um, on the on the Bohemian Rhapsody episode. So they're doing something really fun where his register is shifting. It starts really low. Then he's sort of in his middle voice in his chest voice combined with his lighter up here kind of head voice and then he pushes way way up into his sort of B G S register and they're also doing some fun things with filtering and panning where it starts in the center then, then it pans, pans out, out to the, the sides the, the left channel is still in chest voice while the right channel is in the lighter, lighter head, head voice then they're both in the lighter head voice and then it goes back to the middle and they add a sort of a buzz effect with that radio effect um, to the vocals in the middle so it gives it this very uh, a really varied sound where it sounds like this choir even though it's just this one guy so just to reiterate this is how it goes it's, it's really, really low, low then in
2: the middle oh, then both are oh, high up in their oh,
1: hand oh, voice oh, then, oh, then oh, in oh, harmony
0: <laughs> so then uh listen to him do it and keep all that in mind
1: Sky, please tell us why you
2: have
0: So the first time through the chorus, they just repeat that again. They basically do the same thing twice, which is the only time they do that. Um, Another cool thing about the chorus on Mr. Blue Sky is that each time they do it, they add some new element to it. So I'll kind of enumerate those in a little bit. But this first time through, they just do it twice to sort of establish how it works. And then they come out into a really nice guitar solo by Jeff Lynn that I just think is really tasty. He gets a great tone. That's a sort of a Les Paul tone, I'm pretty sure. The Gibson Les Paul guitar just gets that kind of thick, nice kind of fuzzy warm sound and uh, it's a really nice solo the strings have really made themselves known at this point and they come out of this solo with some tasty guitar minis and my favorite lyric of the song Doesn't everyone deserve to have Jeff Lynn say to them, hey you with the pretty face, welcome to the human race. Today is the day we've been waiting for. It's so unabashedly positive and unironic and I just love it so much. Hey you with
2: the pretty face.
0: so after that verse they go straight into the chorus and they do the chorus chord progression three times but they actually change the way that they do the chorus uh, this is when they begin to develop the sort of the way that they're approaching the chorus so the first time through just just like we've heard it before but then on the second time they change the melody and the lyrics and they sing something different so check that out
1: hey there, Mr. Blue,
2: it's a place to be with you. Look around see what you do
1: hey,
0: the second time through they established that hey there up blue kind of a melody that uh, is pretty different than the first time that they're doing it and the rhythm section also plays pretty differently they actually just kind of do hits uh, descending down the the scale from that d minor it's the same chords but they're just playing a very different rhythm in the rhythm section so the melody first of all is just you know kind of a different thing you can hear it it sounds like this time that new melody stays in place but the bass and the rhythm section play something very different so check that out you
2: around what you do
0: so I really like that variant of the chorus um, for a couple of reasons. The bass line is really cool. First of all, though, Bev Bevan, the drummer, is up on the bell of his ride cymbal, which is sort of the area of the ride cymbal toward the center of the of the cymbal. And when you hit it, it gives you more of a bell-like tone as opposed to the more washy sound that a ride cymbal normally gets. So he's kind of just playing clang, clang, clang up there, which uh, it kind of changes up the groove a little bit. And then um, on the bass, Kelly Grocut is playing a pretty... Cool bass line. Uh, So the bass line sounds like this. It's a pretty neat line. So listen again to the actual recording, and I'll play along on piano just a little bit behind it to emphasize it so you can really hear it. And with that bass line out of the way, it is time for keyboardist Richard Tandy's big moment on the instrument that I think gives voice to Mr. Blue Sky. Like if anybody on this recording is the actual voice of Mr. Blue Sky, it's Richard Tandy, and it's on this part.
1: Mr. Blue Sky. Mr. Blue Sky.
0: So that is a sound you've probably heard on a lot of different things, and maybe you've wondered what it is, maybe you already know what it is. But the instrument that makes a sound like that is an instrument called a vocoder. And the way that it works is basically, and keep in mind that I am not like a keyboard expert here or an electronic music expert. Um, I'm not an electrical engineer, I'm a saxophonist. But my understanding is that you sing into a microphone that then passes your uh, voice's audio signal into the keyboard. Then the keyboard puts that uses that signal as the basis for a synthesized note that the synthesizer then creates, and it sort of builds a chord out of the fundamental sound of your voice, and then puts it back out through the synthesizer, so you get this kind of robot voice that then lines up the actual notes uh, that it's playing with what you're playing on the keyboard, not actually with the notes that you're singing with your voice. So just as an example, I'm gonna sing that first phrase just as a flat note without doing anything with it harmonically. So here's that. Mr. Blue Sky. Well, that was beautiful, right? Okay, so now I'm going to put this through a vocoder that I'm using in Logic, which is the software I record in. I am no vocoder expert, so I couldn't perfectly match the sound, but I got the basic gist down. So here's what here are the notes that I am playing on the keyboard that's running into the vocoder. Those notes sound like this. So, when I finger those notes on the piano and sing that single note into the, you know, to use as the vocal signal that it's going to build this whole thing off of, uh, when I run it through the vocoder, this is what I come away with. Pretty cool, right? Um, So, I can do on the next line, say, uh, I might play this on the keyboard. So, then using that same just single note singing track as a bass element, if I put that into the vocoder, this is what I get so that's just a rough example of what richard tandy is doing with the vocoder when he plays it on mr blue sky so knowing that that's what he's doing go back and listen to that verse it's super cool he's playing all these kind of dense chords um, that imply all sorts of harmony and he's i think just singing a single note but it comes out through his keyboard playing in a really neat way check it out So after that vocoder interlude comes maybe the only slight touch of darkness in this song, which is appropriately when Jeff Lynne starts singing about Mr. Knight and Mr. Knight comes and taps on your shoulder, but uh, Mr. Blue Sky is right there and sort of imagining this this uh, mythical battle between Mr. Knight and Mr. Blue Sky always makes me think of Always Sunny in Philadelphia and the Day Man and the Night Man, which is a tangent that we definitely do not need to go on. Though I will say that the Day Man song from Always Sunny in Philadelphia is a very strong song, so just throwing that out there so something cool happens at the end of that verse they actually introduce a new chord that will be very important later but um right now it's just sort of a new chord that hasn't turned up in the song let's just listen to the end of that verse about mr knight and how they get into that final chorus Did you catch it? So normally what they do uh, when they're getting into the chorus is they do a B flat and then a C and then they resolve to an F before they move on to the chorus but this time they go from the B flat to the C and then they extend it and they go up to a D flat and then to an E flat. And that's the first time that a D flat chord turns up in this tune and that chord will be very important later. So just file that away. But right now it's just a cool buildup because it's so much more dramatic, but then it all falls away for the chorus, which I think is just like a really neat effect. This really dramatic, I remember you this, I remember. And it's like really big and then just like way and then they just drop away and they hit the chorus. So listen to that whole Whole thing one time, really sort of pay attention for that extended turnaround, and then the way they sting it and drop away on the chorus, uh, really really cool effect.
2: Shoulder, never mind. You you skies, tell us
0: so these two times through the chorus are sort of a reprise of the two ways that they've done it. First they do it normally, and then the next time they do it with that complicated bass line and new melody. Hey, hey, Mr. Blue. I love those little backup vocals like (laughs) And now it's time for the choir to bring it home
1: So
0: this is easily the kitschiest part of this song As they go into this sort of cheesy swing beat The bass player is playing all quarter notes Which if you remember from previous episodes Is called a walking bass line And the choir brings us home to the grand finale is it what so as it turns out that was not actually the end of the song it just sounded like it it was a fake out and there's this whole dramatic coda sort of uh epilogue to the song that plays um, that does a, a couple of really, really cool things harmonically. And the first thing is actually the chord that it comes in on. It's such an unexpected chord. Kind of, unless you've been paying close attention. So that big final chord, of course, is an F major because the song is an F and it ends on a big one chord, which makes sense. And then out of nowhere, what chord should turn up but a D flat, that one chord that was introduced during that one little part before getting into the final chorus. We're back in a D flat, but this time the whole band is just pedaling on D flat and we've basically changed keys into D flat, if only for a little bit. Something else cool is happening on that D-flat chord, and that's that top little part that's playing that the choir comes in and the strings come in on to kind of emphasize it. It's this line... Now what that is, is actually a G natural. That's a tritone away from a D flat, which is a very distant interval. Um, but that's actually a very uh, a specific sound that's the Lydian sound. Don't need to get too into what Lydian means, but it's a sharp four or a flat five. It is that tritone, but it's a very bright and aggressive sound. And they come right out on it, which is a really, really cool sound and helps kind of build the harmony that they're building as they begin to descend. So let's just listen to that section and then the next section out of that where they resolve it to an A flat major and then they kind of walk down to this big, glorious E-flat major chord. Make it bigger. Make it even bigger. Yeah. I almost don't know what it would add if I broke down the harmony of this outro. They've added a bunch more lush types of chords, major sevenths, half diminished chords, dominant 7th, flat 9s, and the whole thing just builds to this really beautiful, rapturous conclusion. So just two quick thoughts on that outro. The first is that there's a lovely little melodic line in there that um, video game fans actually may recognize an echo of in uh, one of their favorite video game series, and that is this line played by the cello. Do you recognize that from anything? Here, listen, I'll play it on piano. That's right, the cello at the end of Mr. Blue Sky plays a melody that is remarkably similar to the main menu theme from the Final Fantasy series. And then it's time for one parting message. It is perfectly understandable if you've never quite known what Richard Tandy was saying there in his robot voice. I sure never did. I always thought he was maybe saying Mr. Blue Sky one more time, but he's not, as it turns out. And as I learned as I was working on this episode, what he really says is, please turn me over. That's because, if you recall from the beginning of this episode, this song comes at the end of the third side of this LP, which means it is time to turn the record over and listen to the rest of Out of the Blue. So that means that at the end of this song comes a beautiful, ethereal robot voice asking you very kindly to please turn me over. What a way to end a song. That'll do it for my thoughts on Jeff Lynn and Electric Light Orchestra's Mr. Blue Sky from their fantastic 1977 album, Out of the Blue. As it happens, Jeff Lynn is on tour with the current version of Electric Light Orchestra. Um, he's actually coming to Portland, and I'm considering getting tickets. I'm sure they're really expensive, but they're also probably super worth it. So thank you so much, as always, for listening. I had an extra amount of fun with this episode, so I really hope that you liked it. Um, as always, I'm open to feedback. Shoot me an email at strongsongspodcast at gmail.com anytime, and leave me a review on the Apple Podcast app. That really does mean a lot. Um, I've really appreciated the reviews, so thanks for those. Okay, I'll be back in two weeks with yet another strong song. Time for
1: next